It's absolutely great to be here with you. And on behalf of Pastor Conway and Jada, um, I want to welcome all of the campuses that are joining us at Prosper in Louisville and Dallas and Garland and OCC Global. We welcome you to the services today. I'm so glad that there is absolutely no distance in the spirit of the living God. And uh, we celebrate the King of Kings. I'm telling you, the worship is so awesome that if we were to go home now, we'd be blessed. I mean, when you get an opportunity to be able to come and enjoy worship like this on the weekend, you're going to get, when you get to heaven, you're going to say, Lord, can I go back to OCC this weekend just for worship? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a real, real blessing. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I was born and raised there, and uh, I pastored there uh, all of, uh, almost all of my adult life. So it's a wonderful, wonderful joy to be able to be here with you. I thought Atlanta was hot until I got to Dallas. My goodness, I, I, it, it made me appreciate our cooler temperatures because we haven't seen any triple digits this year. But I hear that they've been roaming around the area over here. But I grew up in the hair cosmetic manufacturing business. My dad started a company there in 1947. And uh, we've studied bowling for a long time. My oldest brother's a chemist. We've discovered that men that bowl from the front going back, those men are great thinkers. <laughs> and, and then uh, the men who bowl, you know, like from the center of the head here, those men are sexy. <laughs> and then those who bowl from the front going to the back and then from the middle and then it meets and creates what's called the cul-de-sac. Those are men who think that they are sexy. <laughs> now, whether you realize it or not, how many married folks are, are here? Even in all of the campuses, raise your hand, raise your hand. Well, thank God, thank God for marriage. Thank God for marriage. Marriage is a psychological relationship. One is psycho and the other one is logical. <laughs> <laughs> There was, a, there was a son who was, uh, he was trying to figure out women. And his old father looked at him and he said, son, when you're able to understand why a pizza is round and put in a square box and eaten in triangles, when you understand that, then you'll understand women. Can't live with them, can't live without them. What a gift from God, but I'm thank, thankful to God. I'm in my 38th year of marriage, having the time of my life. Five children, nine grandchildren, number 10 is on the way. But let me just talk to you today from uh, just a couple of verses of Scripture in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 in the Message Bible. Notice there are these words. So if you're serious about living this new re resurrection life with Christ, act like it. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle around, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up 
and be alert of what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. So I just want to talk to you for a few moments from this thought. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. Just, just keep looking up. One thing that I've discovered in life is this. God never, ever ends on a negative. All is well in the end. And if all is not well, it's not the end. Just keep looking up. No matter how down you get, just keep looking up. You know why? Because we have a tendency to move in the direction in which we look. And as long as I can look up, I can get up. And, and, and whenever you're down, you feel so isolated. But God moves that way a lot. He, he oftentimes has to pull you out before he lifts you up. Uh, we call it separation before there is elevation. But God's in the process. So if you're in a down position right now, if you're down in your luck, if you're down in your finances, if you're even down in your faith, just, just keep looking up. Set your eyes on him because we have a tendency to move in the direction in which we look. We don't just get in a car if, you're, if you have to back out of a driveway. You don't just get in and just start backing out. You look in the rear view mirror because you move in the direction in which you, in which you look. So keep looking up. Just, just keep looking up. Keep look, looking up because there's so much in our world today that is fighting for our attention. And we've got more time than what we have attention just because people are giving you their time doesn't mean that they're giving you their attention. I, I know all during the pandemic and people were on Zoom meetings and while they're on Zoom, other people are checking their digital distractions. Because just because people are giving you their time does not mean that they're giving you their attention. You always have more attention, uh, more time than you have attention. So when somebody gives you their attention, when you give a person your undivided attention, you're giving them a real gift. When a mother or a father listens to their child, no matter how young they are, when my grandchildren come, they can do the craziest kind of scribble on a piece of paper, but when they bring it to me with excitement in their eyes, I have to act as though it is, it is the work of Michelangelo. It is the work of a Picasso, that, that it is a Van Gogh. I'm looking at it, and, and, and I'm engaging with them because it means the world to them, and if you will listen to them when they talk about the small things, uh, then when they get grown, they'll talk to you about the big things. And it is so uh, interesting that when a parent speaks negative words to their children, the negative words that come out of our mouth becomes their inner voice. And that's why we have to speak life to them and tell them no matter where, what happens, keep looking up. If you didn't do the, the best on a report card, keep, keep looking up. If you didn't get the promotion this time, keep looking up. If you didn't get the job, just keep, keep looking up. If you didn't get the, the house, you put a bid in and somebody outbid it, you just, just keep looking up. Just keep the right perspective because when you understand that your focus is on God and what he has in store for you, what he's able to do for you, it'll move in the right direction because attention is focused time. May I say to you today that focus is the new currency. Because we've got folks in the body of Christ now that are suffering with ADD, this real serious attention deficit disorder. Just because they're present does not mean that they are focused in attention. And so 
we need his help to help us to focus. You know the word focus comes from a word that literally means fireplace. Have you ever noticed you're in a place where you're gazing at a fireplace? It's sort of riveting. It captures your attention in a very unique way. Whenever you're looking at a fireplace, it's a place of focal. It's always a focal point. Now here, think about this. That whenever you lose your fire, if you've lost your fire, you started off for Christ, you were on fire, and if you lost your fire, if you get in a job and, and, and you lose your fire and your passion in that job, whenever you lose your fire, uh, you lose your fire because you have lost your focus. And if you'll go back to the elementary thing, if you'll go back to the foundational things, go back to the focal things that really matter, you'll get your fire back. If you take your eyes off of Christ and start thinking about the cares of this world and trying to keep up with the Joneses, if you try to look at statistics and start reading and getting too much of, of the news information, listen, whenever you watch the news, make sure you read your Bible to wash your mind. Don't go to bed with the news as the last thing on your mind. You need to have a, a washing of your mind so that that is not the focus that creates anxiety and stress because the news is using clickbait right now and clickbait because it's, it's always negative. It's always who died and how many people were murdered and robbed over here and what happened over there and which party is against this party and whether it's the donkey or the elephant. It's not about the donkey or the elephant. It's about the lamb. Just keep looking up. Uh, I mean, when, 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 the, when the donkey is on the left and, and, the, and the elephant is on the right, just the lamb. Set your eyes on, on the lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Set your eyes. Just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Whenever things get dirty down here, when they go low, we go, we go high. Just, just keep looking up. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. Psalm 121 begins to declare, I'm going to look, I'm going to look, I'm going to look, I'm going to keep on looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to look up. It's impossible to, to look up toward God and to be down in your spirit. The only reason that we get down is because of, of focus. You see, your faith follows your focus. And this is why the Bible says, you know, you speak those things. You, you keep hearing it. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. The more you focus it, the more your faith comes. Faith comes by focusing, focusing on it. Uh, nobody is depressed over their reality. They're depressed over their focus. Because you'll find people in the same situation and one is happy and the other one is miserable is because they're focused on different things. Two people on the same job and one is miserable and the other is happy and they're working for the same place and one is joyful and the other person has an attitude because their focus is off. If you fix your focus, that's why I say just keep looking up, just keep looking up, just keep looking up no matter how dark things get, no matter how low you feel, keep looking up, keep looking up because whenever you lose your focus you lose your fire I worked in IT as a manager in that area for 10 years and every now and then I, I, I deal with situations where we had to we had to have a, 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 a reset of the of the whole system and so back in that time we were using control and alt and then delete and we, we press all of them at the same time you know and then we could sort of reboot it Control, alt, and delete. Well, it's a matter of controlling your focus and altering your thoughts 
and then deleting toxic feelings and toxic people out of your life. I'm just telling you, if your life ever needs a reboot, uh, control your focus. Control your focus. Get your focus back on the, on, on the right thing. It's so easy to be distracted. There are distractions all around us, but just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. I, I discovered, you know, that it's impossible for you to upgrade your life if you don't download the new software. If you don't download the upgrade, you can't be upgraded. And we want to upgrade without downloading. You have to look for where the, down, the downpour comes. That's why we worship. That's why we praise God. It focuses us. It focuses our attention on, on the one who doesn't have a care in the world. The one who sits above all of the confusion of the earth. The one who's in a place of peace. The one who's in a place of power. The one who's in a place of blessing. We look up and we give him glory. Glory, you know, if you, if you hold the glory that is in you, it turns into pride. But if you release the praise, it turns into glory. And that's why if you can ever get up under an open heaven, it, uh, the, where the glory of God, the glory is where, it's where the, 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 you find a, a spout, a downward spout here where the glory comes out. And then it begins to bless us in an incredible way. But just remember again that your happiness it's not dependent upon your reality. It's dependent on your focus. And sometimes you might not have the most ideal of situations, but all that you need is just to have the right focus. If you can ever get the right focus in anything that you're dealing with, your life will change drastically. Wisdom is simply knowing what to ignore. Not everything deserves your attention. And so sometimes when you want to keep your peace, Sometimes it's not even worth it. Choose your battles wisely. Just keep looking up. There are certain things that you should not even dignify with a response. Listen, listen, if you hold your peace, you can keep your peace. You don't have to have an opinion about everything because your opinion is going to get you keyed up. Hold your peace. Wisdom is simply knowing what to ignore. Knowledge knows, wis uh, knows, knows what to do. Knowledge knows what to do. Understanding knows how to do it, but wisdom knows whether or not it should be done at all. Wisdom is knowing what to ignore. Don't give your attention to everything because whatever consumes your mind controls your life. I have made a resolve since I was young that I only have two positions. I'm either up or I'm getting up. I'm either up or I'm getting up. Just, just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. I'm either up or I am getting up. I'm up or I am getting up. Just keep, keep looking up. And, and you know what? As a result of that, I have never, ever been depressed not one day in my life. I've had bad things to happen. I've had disappointing things to happen, but I've never been depressed because I just keep looking up. Every time something negative happens, I just keep looking up the one who is the author of every good and perfect gift that comes from above, from the Father of lights. I just keep looking up. If you just look up toward heaven, just, just something as simple as that. Don't get caught up with the stuff that's going on around you. Start looking up. Look beyond where you are. Just start looking beyond where you are. And you'll discover this, that direction is more important than speed. 
direction. It is much more important than speed. My dad had, had six sons, and he didn't start his family until he was 40 years old. I'm son number four out of six. Daddy was 50 years old when I was born. He had my younger brother at 55 and had my baby brother at 60. What's your excuse? <laughs> Listen, you're never too old to be what you could have been. It's all a matter of just keep looking up. You have to just keep looking up. And so I was down in Puerto Rico some time ago with, with all of my brothers. And uh, we went out to do some of the what's called uh, bioluminescent uh, observation. There are these bioluminescent organisms. They're only in about three different places around the world, but Puerto Rico is one of those. And so we thought that while we were there that we'd go out, and you have to go out at nighttime. So it's 9 or 10 o'clock at nighttime. We get in a boat, and we're going out in this dark, swampy area, and, and, and we get out there, and, and, uh, and you can't even see how to maneuver through. And I was lost and meandering around, and all of my other brothers were lost, except my oldest brother. And somehow he was the first one that was able to find his way through with absolutely no problem. And I just couldn't understand it because as I was looking around, it, the black waters, swampy trees, and, and just trying to maneuver. I'm, I'm bumping into the banks and trying to figure out because I couldn't see my way. But my oldest brother, who's a chemist, he happened to be able to figure out how to navigate in the darkness. And when we all got through finally, I asked him, how did you know how to find your way? And he said to me, I looked up and followed the stars. It never dawned on me to look up and see the only source of light that there was. But he followed the path of the stars shining down that little light. And he was looking up while I was looking around. And you look around and you get fearful and you look around and you get anxiety. But he was looking up and he found the way. Listen, if you're in a situation, God will sometimes call you to do some things. And you won't know how to do it. God will tell you what to do, but he won't tell you how to do it. Because then you would be leaning to your own understanding. But you're supposed to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and then he will direct your path and so if you trust him then there are going to be some times that you can't see him to be able to trace him and so you're just going to have to look in your heart and say God by faith I need you to help me I need you to help me lead me guide me show me the way God show me the way I don't know which way to go and it's going to take God to be able to help to show us in that time, God has to open our eyes and unveil the way to us. And listen, God didn't tell you to make a way. He just told you to make a move. God is the way maker. Trust him for making the way you make the move. Get up, Abraham, and go to a land that I will show you. Abraham didn't start asking him, how, how are you going to do this? God makes the way you make the move. He says, get up and go, go. You bust a move, God will make a way. And we are waiting for God to make the way before we have busted a move. You got to bust a move if you want God to make a way. And the moment that you, that you get up and start walking by faith and say, God, I'm going to make this move in faith. I don't know how I'm going to do it. When I began my ministry 30 odd years ago, uh, we didn't have the money to do all that we were going to do, but I had enough to get started. 
And I discovered that God will give you finishing grace when it's time to finish. But if you'll have enough faith to make a move, if you have enough faith to launch out and just keep looking up, keep looking up, keep looking up. Do you remember when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Their food didn't come from the ground. It came from the sky. Every day he sent manna. He sent quail. It came from above. Just keep looking up. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. My faith looks up to thee. O Lamb of Calvary, I'm, I'm looking up to you. The provisions of heaven fall down to us. Just keep looking up. It'll keep your faith in the right, right perspective. Don't look around at what you've got. If you start looking at what you've got, you'll be disgusted. Let me just say this to you. That the areas of your focus are the areas of your reward. And the areas of your neglect are the areas of your pain. I'm going to say that again. The areas of your focus are the areas of your reward. And the areas of your pain are the areas of your neglect. If you focus on the right thing, if you just keep doing, if you focus on your marriage, it'll get better. If you focus on your finances, it will get better. If you focus on your health, it will get better. The areas of your focus are the areas of your reward, but the areas of your neglect are the areas of your pain. If you neglect your marriage, Oh, terrible pain. If you neglect your health, terrible pain. If you neglect your finances, terrible pain. Because the areas of your neglect are the areas of your pain. And sometimes you just have to slow down and look up. Slow down and look up. Because here's what I discovered. That the slower that you go, the faster that you learn. The slower that you go, the faster that you learn. Have you ever had somebody to rattle out a telephone number to you and it was just 7586 and they're just rattling numbers off so fast and you can't get it? The slower that you go, the faster that you learn. Walk through. Don't, don't miss the things that God has hidden in every day for you. There are small blessings, little blessings that turn out to be big blessings. The very things while you think that you're on your way to your real assignment, you're passing by your real assignment, which are the people that happen to be on your journey. Do you know when the Bible says, go ye out into all of the world, that word in the original Greek there, go, means as you are going. You don't even have to go out of your way. On your way to the grocery store, on your way to the drugstore, on your way to the beauty salon, on your way as you are going, there are going to be people that are planted along the journey that need what you have and you're, you're called to share it with them. So just take your time. You know why? Because God's answer to every problem is always a person. I want you to just think about that. It's not money. God's answer to every problem is always a person. God's answer to every problem is always a person. When there was a problem with slavery down in Egypt, God did not try to get a group of attorneys together and draft an emancipation proclamation. He raised up a person, Moses. Because God's answer to every problem is always a person. When he needed somebody that would shepherd his people after his own heart, he didn't try to get a, a conglomeration uh, together of, of different kinds of groups and form alliances. He raised up a person, David. You know, God always uses a person. 
when the world was filled with moral profligacy and licentiality, he didn't try to get some special ointment to be able to send to the world and have everybody to take a dose of it. He raised up a person, Jesus the Christ. And I mean he, when he inoculated us with the power of his blood, one drop, not, not, not a double dose, not a third booster and a fourth booster and a fifth booster, but if we get one drop, there is more efficacy in the power of the blood of Jesus that is able to undo, outdo, and overdo everything that the devil has ever done. And I don't know about you, but I get excited when I think about the power that came through the person of Jesus Christ as a power. So God's answer to every problem is a person. God wants to use a person. And, and when you think about it, the problem is always the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. And God's answer is the right person in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Because God's answer to every problem is always a person. And whenever you learn to control your focus, that's why I say keep looking up, just keep looking up. There are going to be some things that will happen that will try to get your attention. Pain in your knees, pain in your hips, pain in your stomach, pain in your back, trying to get you, pain in your feet, just always trying to pull you down. There's something happening in your life every day, whether it's the traffic, whether it is the heat beaming down on you. There's something that's happening in the world every day that's trying to pull you down. That's why I said keep looking up. No matter what happens, keep, keep looking up. Mama gets sick, keep, keep looking up. Daddy gets sick, keep looking up. If one of your children gets a divorce, just keep, keep looking up. It's not the end. It's a bend in the road. It's not the end of the road. God is still God, and he still has a destiny for you. Please don't ever think that God has attached your destiny so inextricably to another two-legged human being so that if they left you, that now your destiny is at stake. You were alive and thriving and living before you met them and now they make you feel as though if they leave you that you're going to be without any help but you were surviving before you met them. And the same God that called you and put a destiny on the inside of you, God did not make it dependent on somebody else agreeing to stay in relationship with you. Just because they left does not mean the call left. Just because they left doesn't mean the assignment left. The Lord Jesus is going to finish. He's the author and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. And whatever God has authored, he's obligated to finish. Just keep looking up. Keep looking up. If you go through a storm, keep looking up. You go through depression, keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Keep looking up. Because whatever or whoever obtains and maintains your focus will ultimately change your life. And that's why you always need something to push and something to pull. Push and pull. It's a push and pull. Paul talked about it in, in Philippians chapter 3. That I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm pushing, pushing. And reaching forth toward the things which are before. There's something that you ought to be pulling, pulling you forward toward, and something you ought to be pushing back. There's, there ought to be something 
in life, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship. It's a thin line between love and hate. Because when you loathe somebody, it's, it, it mimics also when you love them. If you loathe people, when you go home, you take the hate that you have toward them with you in your home. When you love people, you take the love with them. And that's why you've got to be able to push some things back, forgetting, forgetting, forgiving and forgetting, forgiving and forgetting, letting it go, letting it go, just letting it go. Please don't let the failure of yesterday interrupt your destiny and your joy of today. This is the day that the Lord has made. In it, let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I declare that every single day in my life, and when I do, I find something every day of which to give God glory and thanks and praise because everything in life is about a door opening so that you either push or pull it or a door clothing and you either pull it or you push it. And that's why you need people around you that will, that will pull you. Isn't it amazing that when we die, that we are carried by six pallbearers. Man grows to be approximately six feet tall. When he dies, he's carried by six pallbearers. The sixth book of the Bible was the first book that was named after man, Joshua. When you die, you're buried six feet under. But here's my philosophy. I don't need six pallbearers to carry me when I'm dead. I need six breathing people while I'm alive to be able to encourage me. If they ever see you going the wrong road that starts checking you to say you're better than that, this is not who you are. I need somebody that can say to me, uh, remind me of the destiny of the prophetic word that came of something that God was speaking to remind me to keep looking up and to keep my focus in the right direction. I, I can get a crane to carry a coffin when I'm dead. I need living people. If you can find your six while you're alive, you need to be able to uh, make a list now of six people that you could call if you had to call at 2 o'clock in the morning to be able to help you in an emergency. Who are your six that have the ability to be able to carry you now? To be able to start saying, uh, I, I want to look up now. Anybody can carry you while you're dead. You can get a machine to carry you while you're dead. I need somebody to carry me while I'm alive. When I get uh, down in my heart, I need somebody to be able to speak life to me. I need somebody that can give me a hookup when I'm, I'm, I'm out of a job or in between jobs. I need somebody that can uh, provide a reference to me. I need somebody that can pray for me. Somebody that can speak a word of encouragement to me. You need somebody that helps you to keep looking up when your head is drooping down. When you've experienced a trauma in your life, you need to be able to have your six with you at that time. And let me just tell you this, that whatever is not for God's glory is not designed for your future. And we know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And everything that I do, I'm saying, Lord, it's for your glory and for my good. For your glory, for our good. For your glory. If there's no glory of God in it, don't you be in it. Just keep looking up just for the glory of God. 
We are designed to be glory producers in the earth. It is for the glory of God. Just keep looking up. No matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happened to your credit, no matter what happened uh, to, to your record, keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Even if you fall, listen, keep looking up. Because if you look up, you can get up. You can honestly get up. No matter how dark it gets, just keep looking up. No matter how difficult it gets, keep looking up. No matter how tired you become, just keep looking up. As an old man, John, and he, uh, he was poor and struggling trying to feed his family. It's not always easy, and sometimes you can't even let people know how, how difficult it is. And that's why I said, be kind to people, because you don't know what they're dealing with. And, and one word that you speak to them can break somebody, or it can be a glimmer of light to say that God has not forgotten me. Uh, something that you can say to get people to look up, and old John, uh, he was struggling trying to feed his family. He didn't have anything but an old shotgun and three shells, three old bullets. And he was determined when he left out of the house that day that he was going to come back with something for his family to eat. They'd been struggling. They hadn't had any meat in days and weeks. They were poor, but he had an old shotgun, and he had three shells left. And he went out of his house and went down behind the house, and, and he saw a rabbit, and, and he held the shotgun out and pow, pulled the trigger, and he missed the rabbit, lost it. He went further down into the woods, and and, and he saw a squirrel going up a tree, and, and he says, this, this is it. I'm, at least I've got a squirrel. We can go home and have some squirrel. Pow! And he misses the squirrel, and they move like lightning. And it's gone. And then he's just going on, and he comes down to a place, and there's a creek there, the pond. And he sees up a tree a wild turkey, and he knew that God was with him. And he heard these words, aim high, stay focused, and pray. He just heard those three words, those three commands, aim high, stay focused, and praying. And while he's looking at the wild turkey up in the tree, all of a sudden, he turns and there's a deer that's about 20 feet away from him that has come out of nowhere. And so he takes the gun off of the wild turkey in the tree because the deer was a bigger and a better catch. And just as he's about to pull the trigger on the deer, he hears a rattle between his legs. And it's a rattlesnake. And he brings the barrel down to the rattlesnake, getting ready to hit it. And again, he hears this voice says, aim high, stay focused, pray. And by faith, he's got to take the gun off of the rattlesnake, bring it back up to the wild turkey. And he's aiming high. And he's focused on this old 
wild turkey, knowing that there's a rattlesnake between his legs and there's a deer that's about to get away. And he said a prayer because he said, aim high, stay focused, pray. And he pulls the trigger, closes his eyes and pulls the trigger, pow! The bullet hit the wild turkey, ricocheted off of its body, hit the deer, killed the deer. The blast was so strong that it caused the butt of his gun to fall to the ground, hit the snake in the head. It threw his body back off balance. He fell into the pond, and now fish are in his pocket, and he's got a dead deer and a dead turkey because he aimed high, stayed focused, and he prayed. I came to tell somebody in this house today, whatever you're going through, aim high, stay focused, and pray. You will absolutely be surprised what God will do if you just aim high, stay focused, and pray. When the Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? Well, I'll tell you who he is. I've studied him a long time, and I discovered in Genesis he's a seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's a Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. I'm here to just remind you in Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our day spring on high and our ever living redeemer. For I know that my redeemer liveth. In Psalms, he is the Lord my shepherd, I shall not want, who makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's a righteous branch. In Lamentation, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man and the wheel in the middle of a wheel. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the burning fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's a baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the mighty to save. In Jonah, he's the great foreign missionary. I'm just here to remind you today, in Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist crying, revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he's the savior. In Haggai, he's a restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's a fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, he's a son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who is this king of glory? In Matthew, he's a Messiah. In Mark, he's a wonder worker. In Luke, he's a son of man. In John, he's a son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our justifier. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's a redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's a Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's our God who shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. 
in first and second Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's a great physician. In first and second Peter, he's our soon coming shepherd who shall appear with the crown of unfading glory. In first, second, and third John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And in Revelation, he's King of kings. And Lord of Lord, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. If it were my grandmother, she would tell you that he's bread in a starving land and water in a dry place, that he's a doctor in a sick room and a lawyer in a courtroom. He's Abel's sacrifice. He's Noah's rainbow. He's Abraham's ram in the thickets. He's Isaac's well. He's Jacob's ladder. He's Judah's scepter. He's Moses' rod. He's Elijah's mantle. He's Elijah's staff. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samuel's horn of oil. He's David's slingshot. He's Isaiah's figs. He's Hezekiah's sundown. He is Peter's shadow. He's Paul's handkerchief and apron. He's Stephen's signs and wonders. He is John's curly white city. And if you keep looking up toward him, Whatever tries to get you down, God will lift you up. God bless you. I love you.